Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, man? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Welcome up there, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim O. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Future's down three and a quarter. Is that future's down six? Down, down. What's going on there? We got can't can't be going down. We're supposed to be going up every day, and, and we have been. Uh, so that's a good thing, I guess. So we have Mr. Kevin. Good morning, Tom. How are good morning, you, Greg? Good morning, listeners. I hope you are feeling better. I hope you had a good uh, Christmas after even everybody was a sicky. Yeah, all all's well here. Yeah. Oh, good, good. There's a hack, hack, hack everywhere you go around here, but. Uh, I'm over. I'm over mine. So I guess uh, hopefully everybody will be over there soon. Just saying. So uh, I certainly hope so. Yeah, the uh, un- unseasonably warm, warm and wet weather. I'm not so sure is good for colds and flu. Just saying. Well, I'm not sure because you know we used to tie a lot of uh, uh, cold and flu to the weather, but really it's exposure to people who have it. So, um, you know, I. I we yeah. we like to talk about it uh, about it that, but I think it's really just seasonal stuff. Yep, I think it probably is too. Hey, uh, I was reading here about your your your. Actually, I ran into some people last night. Some interesting f- food for discussion regarding our our sports stuff, which we should cover a little bit this morning. The uh, reading here about your 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 buddy, your your put upon buddy, uh, Georgia Athletic Director Greg McGarity. Uh. We're talking here. I got an article here about this is 2019 now, of course, but uh, it has to do with recruiting costs of college athletes. Knowledge of analysis of college football recruiting costs. Uh, Georgia in 2019, up from 2018, was in was up to 3.7 million dollars in football recruiting. It's up a million from the 2.6 in 2018. Of course, now we're 2023, so who knows? It could be 10 by now. Uh, but here's here's this this is when you know you're 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 just you're just uh, uh pers- let's see what do we have here the uh, recruiting expenses are defined by the NCAA financial report forms that schools fill out annually <coughs> and put transportation lodging and meals for prospective student athletes and institutional personnel on official and unofficial visits telephone call charges well that can't be very much anymore postage and such. Uh, okay, include value of use of institutionals' own ve- vehicles or airplanes, as well as in-kind value 
of loaned or contributed transportation. Um, it's worth noting that while schools track the same type of expenses under the category of recruiting, the way they do their accounting could vary from school to school. This starts with the nation's leading spender in recruiting, Georgia. I think those numbers are skewed a bit because we don't have our own airplane or jet. Some schools pitiful me, huh? Yeah. Some schools calculate it differently. If we had a jet, we'd certainly cover other expenses in a different category. Right now, when we lease an aircraft, we just pay the going rate. We just pay straight out for any charter services we, uh, it would use as opposed to having an aircraft, for which some schools do. Costs may be hit in another category as far as accounted for, blah, blah, blah. So is he trying to tell us that if you own an aircraft in an athletic department, you capitalize it? Um, evidently. And Evid- if you lease it, it's an expense? Yeah. Which uh, Can we can we all uh, join together on the count of three and say, duh? Yeah. Having gone through that at Florida, which had two car- aircraft at the time, I know how the expenses are accounted for with the aircraft. It's a little bit different. It's never really apples and apples, but it's kind of what it's been able to, but kind of what it is to be able to recruit nationally. So they need two jets, not just one. I, I hear I was, boy, I'm just a, you know, I, I can't get out of this south side pikerdom. I would have thought one jet would be okay, but you need two. Well, two. yeah, yeah. First of all, you have to have a backup. Now, you got a booze on it, right? Uh, you probably do, um, although if they're flying recruits around, there's a, uh, there's a little bit of caution to that. Um, as I recall, I mean, I heard this rumor. Now, this is a rumor. Uh, <laughs> I guess if you have a rumor, you're not supposed to tell if I'm going to spill this money away. The rumor was that your your buddy, uh, Charlie Weiss, used to have somebody like donate him the jet, and then he would bitch about the booze that was on the jet not being to his liking or something. It, well, yeah, it, Charlie wasn't exactly, well, he was kind of a miserable human being. Um, but uh, it, I, I do know also in his case, Flying was very, flying distances was really difficult because he, if you ever noticed when, uh, you know, as he walked or you know did anything that um, he he had been impaired. I think there was I, I forget. I think it was surgery. I think he had uh, like um, the gastric bypass surgery, and it went all wrong. And he wound up in a big lawsuit a, a back way back when he was an assistant coach in New England. And so he his ability to be comfortable on a plane was. Very, very challenged. Well, plus he he uh, got nailed by that player at one time. He tore his knee up horribly, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was not a. Ugh. Didn't he have to go to some? Yeah, sp- but do I? I really, you know, I, I'm, I've been trying really, really hard to forget the Charlie Weiss era, and here you go bringing it up. Yeah, well, it's, I'm sorry about that. I'm you know, just just saying. So anyway, we, we got into the. Uh, I just I wander into the uh, the local emporium last night. And, of course, I bump into two guys, and I always manage to bump into guys. Uh, and one guy is... is they're going to they're gonna start getting out of your way if that keeps, keeps happening. Yeah, it's like... Well, somebody's going somebody's gonna to get hurt, especially at your age. Yeah. Well, the, the dude... Uh, one dude is now... He went to Michigan, was never much of a Michigan football fan, but now he's he's caught the wave. Right. And he went through a whole, whole routine of not only... I said, funny, you should mention that. We have a guy who's on the show who's a big Michigan fan. He's been season ticket holders forever. He's never really been a uh, doubter. He's always been a fan, and uh, he's happy. So the guy went through a whole list of all these ball players that uh, are not, not just really good football players, but like really good guys. 
Why do people, when they when they dive into these, essentially play for higher people? Now, colleges aren't as bad as pro. Why, why do they somehow have to make these guys out to be saints when all they really care about is if they can play football? I guess it's sure. nice. And, and many of them are really good guys, yeah. and a lot of them work hard in the community and so on. But the the thing is, you can never really know. You know how many no. how many people along the way you you may not even find out till after they retire. When they found out they were abusive with their wives, they were, uh, you know, or, or whatever other reason they they just were not particularly good people. We we don't know that. We can't know that because their images are managed. Um, you know, certainly some things get into public uh, uh, the public forum, but not not all of it, and. So, you know, I would, my advice, and this was always my advice to my kids, was, you know, admire how they compete, um, and, uh, and, and you can respect that, but, you know, who cares, don't worry about the rest of it. Well, the, uh, one of the, probably the nicest human beings that ever, ever walked in sports in Chicago, there's been a lot of them, so don't, don't, because uh, there's, there's a lot really closest to nicest, I mean, there's really a lot of terrific people, I think, that have played in Chicago, where I think we actually have been very blessed with that, Kevin, is most of the people, not most, but a real, real lot of the professional athletes who have played here have been very likable people. And I, you know, I don't, I don't think we did it on purpose. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. I don't know. But, but the one guy they couldn't wait to get rid of was, uh, was Rizzo. Could there have been, a, could there have been a more positive human being for the society than that guy? We couldn't wait well, to dump him. I don't, I don't think it's an accurate statement to say they couldn't wait to get rid of him. I mean, first of all, he was here for a long time and. He was uh, here for what? Four years. Well, I think it was longer than that, Tom. Um, boy, he's had he's been seven in in, in uh in well he's been, he's been he's been six in New York. How long has he played? Ten, eleven. Give me a second. I'll tell you exactly how long he was in Chicago. Let's put it this way: it was not a consideration when they dumped him. How's that? Can I rephrase? Six, seven, eight, nine years in Chicago. Wow! So he's he's a he's a fifteen year pro now. Yep, came up in two uh, with the Padres. His first, uh, he played forty nine games in twenty eleven with the Padres. Then the Cubs acquired him. Um, played eighty seven games that year, and then after that, it was one sixty, one forty, one sixty, one fifty five, etc. So. And and it was during it was at the trade deadline of that ninth year that he got traded, but they they it wasn't that they couldn't get, wait to get rid of him. They just couldn't come to terms on a contract and didn't and wanted to make sure they got something for him. That's the business of the game. I, it was that I'm just saying. It, I, when it comes I don't to the, like it. I I like you know I liked Anthony Rizzo and I'm, I I wish he could have stayed forever, but um, but couldn't wait to get rid of him is not anything. Uh, I I, re- I rephrased. It was not a consideration. How good of a person he was? No, it wasn't. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying. You know, and, and it wasn't when they traded Javier Baez or, or Chris Bryant. I don't think I don't think they liked Javier Baez. I don't know if he's the same classic guy. Well, I I don't know anything about him. So you know, per, as a person, you know, I I have no idea. Teammates seem to like him. Okay, yeah, well, that's yeah. good. Anyway, the uh, so the. Next part of the of the discussion was, uh, you got to get on board to the new football. This is the new world. There's not going to be a dime left for any of the other uh, sports. And by the way, they're all going to go away. You're not going to see 
any of the Olympic sort of sports that the Pac-10 has been famous for or anything like that. They're all just they're all just going to be out because football's going their own direction, and it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins and. Every team better jump on board or they're just out. And my point was, I think a lot of teams aren't going to jump on board. Uh, I think you're going to end up with, I mean, you probably know the number better than me, it's probably going to be 50, 60 teams that are in with the new, the new world, and the rest of them are going to do something else, whatever that something else ends up being. I, don't, I think a lot uh, of... And, and even when you uh, put those other teams in whatever the new construct is, uh, I do believe... Um, you know that if they go off on their own, you can still operate uh, your all other sports um, in in a different model. And I think actually the Big East has it because they are able to be they are the one team that you would consider a major conference in basketball that does not have football, and they're making it work. What would you say in context of the discussion last night, which is hard because you weren't there? Uh, what do you, what do you mean by work? Uh, it means they're able to operate at a highly competitive level, even though they don't have football revenue. Um, and and that's the thing is football. You know, football is the the big dog when it comes to an athletic department's revenue. And you see that in all of the conference realignment decisions that have been made lately. Think of it like this: when back when the Big e, the original Big East was falling apart, Notre Dame went over to the ACC. Notre Dame made its decision not necessarily. Uh, on behalf of the uh, um, the football program, I mean, certainly they wanted a place for the football program to remain independent and still operate and still, you know, make them a lot of money. Although they're not making more money than the SEC or uh, or the Big Ten, um, but they they really chose the ACC because the ACC is better at the all other sports, women's sports. Uh, for sure, uh, it's like one of the uh, uh, premier soccer and uh, and women's basketball conferences, um, and then things like baseball and softball and so on. It, it is they they totally made that decision. I don't know if they would make the same decision, but that's definitely not the same decision that Southern California and UCLA made. They made it. They made a total football decision damn the rest of it because now they're going to have their uh, um, their women's soccer team traveling halfway across the country on a regular basis and uh, and that first of all it's not economical and it's not necessarily good for the athletes either uh, and uh, and they're going to have you know you, you name it the tennis team whatever it is so you know it's it's one thing for a once a week football uh, uh, extravaganza but when you consider the kinds of schedules that they play in all other sports you know their decision was not made to that benefit and I would think that if they had a different construct in place where the football schools were off on their own the Pac-10 would still be intact it would still be the Pac-10 as we know it because the football team would be off doing whatever it is to make them all the money and they'd still be able to say okay everybody else you're going to stay and be a regional conference on the west coast um, they would be, you know, we'd be seeing the same thing with some of the teams that have gone over to the SEC and so on. I, uh, you can always tell, but I mean, this is not, I guess maybe it is a shot, I don't know, but, uh, anyway, one of the dudes is a lawyer, so I'm sure he knows a hell of a lot more about stuff than I do, but, uh, I, this whole idea of you got to have more revenue, don't, 
I guess most people are not involved in, in numbers like maybe you and I have been, but revenue, at the end of the day, revenue doesn't necessarily mean squat. I mean, if your revenue at Georgia is going to go up $10 million or $15 million or 20 this year, yet three years from now this recruiting number is not $3 million anymore, it's 10 People, these departments, these people have a way, these people, areas that get this, quote, revenue, have a way of using it all up before it ever gets to, I mean, I, for the people at Southern Cal... Are you saying you, demand always expands to slightly exceed supply? Um, I'm saying people find a way to spend it. If you don't... If, I think I said it better. But yeah, you okay. did. You did. <laughs> I did it more south side. But the, the idea that the revenue in the Big Ten is going to expand from, you know, pick a number, $200 million at, at UCLA, including LiveGate and everything, to, to 250 That will probably happen. But anybody on that board that thinks $50 million more is going to drop to the bottom line <clears throat> on the board that they can use for, you know, freshman English is out of his mind or her mind. Well, first of all, it's not going to leave the athletic department. That's so right. That's not, right. Not to worry about that. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, it, I, I'm not advocating for any of it. What I am saying is this is what I think the reality is that's unfolding. Uh, unfortunately, there is nobody with this long-term, or very, let's put this way, I won't say nobody, there are few people with a long-term vision for how it can be made to work in, that in any way includes some benefit to the athletes. And... Um, some 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 marginal benefit to the athletes. They have a lot of benefit working on their behalf right now, and some of it's you know, so, and and some benefits that they don't have working on their behalf. But I don't think, uh, you know, that the, the West Coast teams moving. Oh hell, forget the Big Ten, Stanford and California moving to the uh, ACC. I don't think that you know, that that's even more skewed to uh, to the East Coast for them. Than the Big Ten teams have, so it, you know at least at least the West Coast teams could stop in Nebraska. <laughs> so, well, I mean, once you get on a plane, does it really matter where you stop in? It, it, it probably it, does in Ann Arbor, or whether you go further, yeah, especially if it's a charter. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, but I guess, uh, but the idea that this is uh, you have look look at the what we just did was it eight weeks ago? How much did we pay that knucklehead coach down south to leave? There, there's where your revenue is going to go. Yeah, and it, you know, and, and truth be told, it isn't what they paid them to leave; it's what they paid for their mistake of hiring him in the first place. Well, because they, they, you know, it was if he had stayed, they would have still been paying him all. I don't, time. I don't see. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's this. I, I'm no fan of the man. Okay, but these these people got to do the math. I mean, uh, when I say this, I mean, take take Major League Baseball for instance. What, what do we have? We have thirty teams. Mm-hmm. All right. Make it easy. Say we had 33. In a, in a well-run organization, assuming you have your, your your cartel and everything else, you're supposed to win three times a century. Duh, right? If it's even? It's not a lot. Sure, that would be your average. Yeah. So if, if every single team pays somebody $90 bazillion because he's going to win... 20 times a century, the math doesn't add up. So if, if every year you fire the guy who didn't win and, and get some other guy who's going to win, you still only got one winner. 
I mean, the, the idea that 15 major colleges pay somebody a, a, an egregious amount to win the national championship next year, to le- next year there's only one, one winner. So what do you do, fire all the rest and pay the next guy more? I mean, what kind of piggy move-up are we gonna, do we have going on here? Some, some four-year-old wouldn't do that in a Monopoly game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, you know, I don't know what, what they wound up paying at Texas A&M to get the, uh, um, the Duke coach, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I, I bet you they didn't pay him nearly as much as they paid Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. Why, how, why would he, why the, the, whole, the whole thing has gone up since then. Why would he go for a tenth of that? Or is it going to be incentive-laden or something? I mean, I, you know, you can't have... Oh, because he got a big raise from, the, from what he was getting paid at Duke. Well, I'm, I'm sure he did, but I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but uh, but, it, but it'll come out because you, it's it's a state school, right? Yeah, I think it is. Well, so I mean, what what, what is your what what is the the, the plan here? I mean, the a, a team that goes, uh, you know, eleven and one or ten and or ten and two. Now, what do you do? You 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 blame the. Um, you know, what do you do? You blame a scheduler? You blame who? I mean, the, the simple fact is everybody can't go 12 and, 12 and 0. The math, the math doesn't work, does it? No, it, it doesn't. So now they're going to expand to a 12-team playoff. So now the whole thing is going to be, it's, it's going to be sort of like, you know, the uh, basketball. Well, first of all, you have to be a regular in the tournament. Otherwise, you're a miserable failure. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, it's, Making the Final Four—that's a big memory. They uh, so you know. I, I think making the tournament is going to be more akin to making the Final Four, um, where uh, you know that that's considered a huge success. That means you won four games a row in a row in March. That's how we measure basketball coaches, uh, and, and and they're either successes or failures based on that. All right, well, we have like one. Lot. <laughs> Greg's nudging me. We've got one minute, but. W- I've I've tried to not even look at this playoff structure, so I'm so disgusted by it. But walk me through this. How many more games does the team have to play now? Oh, let's see. Uh, it, it's it's the equivalent of a 16 team tournament where they give out some buys at the beginning. So what is that? Round of 16, round of eight, round of four, round of two. So it could be four more games. It this could is be the, four more games for a, for a team that makes the championship without a buy. But we haven't we haven't. Uh, Bleep can like the Big Ten championship, so we're still thirteen games there, right? Oh, so that makes it a an even bigger playoff because that is essentially part of the playoff. Well, okay, so now, but when you're the second chance round, if you if you lose in the uh, conference championship, right? So you could get invited as an at large. So you could play seventeen games. Yes, you could. That's I don't I don't see any, maybe one or two college. I, you know, I'm not I'm not into the Patsy games, but I also know that no college has the depth to play 17 pro-like games against really good teams like themselves. No, nobody does, nobody has that, except maybe Alabama, except maybe Ohio State. I'm not so sure they do anymore with the portal. You know, I wonder to what extent um, we we would look at that and then say, um, you know, if if they do go off on their own. Will they not be able to play a lot of those patsies, or is everybody just going to have to beat up on Kansas? Or well, Kansas went to a bowl game. I don't know if they won last night or not. So they, they didn't entirely suck this year. 
but you know, are we going to pick out the worst team? Is is, is everybody going to try and schedule Illinois? I don't know. Well, everybody does nothing but rag all the time about the TCU thing last year. I think the TCU just didn't have the depth when their two best players got hurt in like the first playoff game. They didn't have anybody left for the final. I mean, they they just were not set up to have you know forty five people on that team. They had twenty, and maybe five of them were really good. Anyway, SP Futures down one seventy five. Nasdaq Futures down a dollar fifty. Looks like a run out of gas here, but I don't think we're going down. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, North Bank Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tom Al, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 75 cents. And just like I said it, NZ Futures up a buck 75. By, by the way, for those that uh, are not all, all on board with my read on the Fed, just so you know, in November the money supply jumped up uh, $50 billion. Now these guys are supposed to be fighting inflation tooth and nail. We're, out, we're, now, uh, we're now like almost $100 billion higher. I think that's $70 billion higher than we were in, in in April, so for guys that are fighting inflation, you know, out there with the pitchforks and, and the swords and whatever else they can find, the fact is it's total BS. They absolutely are not. Uh, just saying. Um, as we as we swoop around the rest of the world here, we got Dow futures down 21. Uh, no individual stocks. Matter of fact, a lot of stuff isn't even open. It's so quiet this week, um, so you can't really. Not much going on this morning. Nikkei up 375. Finally, a bounce, 1.1 percent. China and Hong Kong markets aided by video game stocks bounce. Australia, however, near two-year highs. So Hang Seng is up 284. It's 1.7%, 16,624, still in the middle of 16s. Shanghai up 15 points, 29.14, trying to get back over 3,000, but not yet today. Maybe tomorrow. Over in Europe, these guys were closed yesterday. Careful with that. Look at those boxer day, I believe. A DAX up 28. Uh, that's 0.2%. Uh, FTSE up 39.5%, Kakaron up 9.1%, so uh, to the upside there as well. Uh, yesterday we were up 159 on the Dow, S&P up 20, NASDAQ up 81, just relentless creep all day, there isn't a seller anyway. Why would you sell when it's going to be higher tomorrow, I, I ask? It's a simple question. Uh, Ten-year, uh, down two basis points, 3.87, the one down five basis points, 1.91, so that's a ways under 2% there. Uh, Japan down three basis points, 0. 0.60. We are going right back to the happy days. We're here again, money creeping in the system, just like we've been doing for a long time. Anybody who thinks we're fighting inflation, I'll tell you what, forget about it. Forget about it. 
Oil down 40 cents, 75.15, still above 75. Brent on 37 cents, 80.70. Natural gas up 9 cents, 267. Our Bob unchanged, 215. We've got gold up 10 bucks, 2079. We're making a little sneaky run here at 2100 again. Silver down 5 cents, 24.34. Silver was leading. It's not really now. They're kind of creeping together. A copper up 2 cents, 392. We have Bitcoin 800 bucks, 42,953. Notice how. We put more cash in the system. Everything wants to creep, doesn't it? Just like everything. Uh, over the uh, dollar, euro, is now 110.7, so the uh, we're, we're, we're creeping there as well. Uh, British pound is up 16 basis points, 1.27. So clearly this nudge up in the dollar, I don't know if it's election, or not, and, uh, the amount of dollars in the system is uh, maybe it's election-related, whatever it is, but it's not as confirmed as much by the European central banks. That's why... We're seeing the dollar move and that going together. A lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 636 here in Chicago. 33 degrees right now. 44 today, partly cloudy. Same in Phoenix, about 40, uh, 44 right now. 65 today, sunny. Some clouds later in the day. Traffic, not too much. Kennedy, Montrose and the Interchange, 8 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 21 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 14 minutes. 95th to the Interchange is 12 minutes on the Ryan and inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is about 16 minutes. NBA, congratulations to the Pistons. 27th straight loss. The Bulls beat the Hawks at home. That if you're going to do it, do it right. 113-118. Um, NHL, we've got the Jets at the Hawks tonight. The Avs at Coyotes. Uh, in the last but not least, we got some NCAA football. The Dukes Mayo Bowl. Oh, no. First, this is GoBowling.com Military Bowl. That's uh, Virginia Tech, Tulane, uh, Navy, Navy Marine. Since when did Tulane become a military school? I don't know. It's the Military Bowl presented by GoBowling.com. So GoBowling. GoBowling.com. That's Virginia Tech versus Tulane. We're talking about regular bowling. I guess wow. GoBowling.com. We have the. Uh, Duke Mayo Bowl, that's North Carolina, West Virginia. The Bank of America, or no, DirecTV Holiday Bowl at Bank of America Stadium. That one is uh, Louisville versus USC. Do so we have yeah. a, a Hellman's and a Kraft Mayo Bowl as well? <laughs> and then last but not least, we do have the Tax Act Texas Bowl with AM versus Okie State, and that's in uh, Houston. And that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. They still have a bowl and a cotton bowl, don't they? That's the old cotton bowl? Not yet. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the old cotton bowl. They have one there too, I think. Hmm. The, old, the old stadium in the fairgrounds. In the fairgrounds, huh? Well, well, that's where the original cotton bowl was. I actually went there for a game years ago. Kevin, you remember that game when uh, the Irish beat Texas? Joe Theismann was a senior. What's? Well, that's a famous one. Um, what's? What's the? It's it was the, the Cotton Bowl. Now ball. the official Cotton Bowl is is where is where Texas Stadium is, but the original Cotton Bowl is a stadium on the fairgrounds of uh, Texas. You know, Texas. called the Cotton Bowl. That's where they also played the Red River rivalry game. Yeah, is that in Dallas? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's on Texas. Uh, Texas has a massive fairgrounds. Matter of fact, their state fair is what like a month after everybody else, so we can go there or something, Kevin. They're, they don't compete with any other state fair. It's supposed to be unbelievable. Hence the movie State Fair, where I first saw Anne Margaret. I was like 12, and I, I reckon, I'm like, what? Aren't too many women like that? And there aren't. I was only 12 or something. 
maybe ten. Just saying. We went to the game, Kevin. Of course, we get there bright and early. Want to walk around the whole area, get in our seats, and all of a sudden, there's this lady sitting in front of us that seemed a little peculiar, even to freshmen. Big, huge hair, fur coat, and we're like the only people in the place. And she's sitting right in front of us. <coughs> people come in, people come in, fans. All of a sudden, the game is about to start. Off goes the fur coat. Head she heads for the field. It was. What was her name? The, the one around and kissed the ref? Was that Morgana? Oh, Morgana. Was it Morgana the kissing bandit? Yeah, she was sitting right in front of us. Wow. She had some curves, just saying. A, a little. Um, was, not, was not what you call, you know, I mean, I, so of course the policemen usher her off the field. Those guys, they were loving it, the two coppers. <laughs> they, they brought her back, got her a fur coat, and everybody left. Nobody stole her fur coat or anything. It was a different era. Everybody left her stuff alone, and... She came, she's smiling, the cops were smiling, smiling, everybody was happy with it. The ref was happy, everybody was happy. Just saying. Who did she kiss? I think she kissed the ref. Well, that's no fun. No, I don't know, he thought it was okay. Yeah, I'm sure he did. They used to kiss, uh, she used to kiss the athletes, you know. She, she, might have, she might have nailed one of the quarterbacks. I don't think she went for some fatso tackle or, or anything. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you also may have been looking at an H thing there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she was ready to go give Joe a big, a big um, smooshy at one. At the Cotton Bowl... Or at Fair Park is, I think, what it's called now. December twentieth through thirty first is Les Miserables. Ah, so. you ever seen that? I've played. Play? I've played in it. Really? I've never. You played. I mean, you played music. Music. Yeah, in the pit orchestra, but I haven't. I, I couldn't really tell you the plot. <laughs> I saw that. I saw it over at uh, over the Auditorium Theater. It was a. Uh, it's a, it's a dark play. Ugh, yeah. God, is it a oh, dark yeah. play? Well, the poor guy stole a it's loaf like of bread and was sentenced hours. to life imprisonment, right? Yeah. Well, that, isn't, that, isn't that the the, the uh, storyline, Kevin? And yeah. he, ke- he kept escaping, and this, guy, this cop kept uh, kept chasing him because it, because it, the, he deserved it. It was like Judge Smales. I, when I sent guys to the gas chamber longer than you, I felt they deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Judge Smales <laughs> is the, uh, the ultimate in judicial uh, uh, circumspection. Yeah, and uh, maybe I'll mention that tonight if I see any of the judges. Hey, any guys remind me of Judge Smales? I, I don't know how well that'd go over. Just, just saying. Hey, uh, so what do you what do you make of uh, there is some, given the opinions of, you know, some of the people last night and anybody else you've run into, what, how do you, how do you see the, I mean, there's history involved in college athletics. There's clearly money. There's piles and piles of laws, state and federal. How do you see this all shaking out? Is the money going to just trump the laws and they're just going to ignore them and they're going to say, screw all that, there's not going to be any more Title IX? Which which laws are you talking about being trumped? Well, I mean, you have the women versus the guys. You have the the rules like you're talking about, conference rules, saying that certain athletes should not get more than other people. I mean, there's there's rules all over the place, right? You're you're, I mean, you won't know more about them than me. Uh, yeah. So you, you, when you talk about the women versus the guys, for example, you talking about Title Nine. Well, I'm also talking about students versus these other whatever they are now. I mean, uh, we're not we're not quite employees, but most people's cases think they are employees. And oh, I, yeah, I absolutely think they're employees now. I, I think when when you have the name, image, and likeness collectives, you're you're just basically you're you're attempting to make them. Uh, uh, the rough equivalent of uh, W, uh, not W two. I, I think Kevin, that there are ninety nine employees, except that uh, uh, except that you're controlling 
you know where they have to be, when they have to be, etc. So they can't be 1099 employees. So they're they're off the books. But I think it's kind of bogus off the books. I think Kevin that a real lot of people in very serious power positions are convinced that nothing has changed except the Supreme Court has allowed all this other stuff to happen. It's out of your purview, but for you, you're still the same. It's still a Notre Dame football player. And I think that that vision is is exceedingly warped, but I'm thinking a lot of people are hiding behind that. Which people? Are you talking about fans? Are you talking Uh, about... School administrators? I mean, you name it. Yeah, but they, they know. They've known forever. But the guy's, a, the guy's just, an employee. Yeah, it, it, if you, it's just another brand of cynicism. Well, I mean, they've known forever. If, if you can, if you can uh, essentially control guys every minute. Now, not, and plus, they can't even go home for summer anymore. Uh, if you're going to control all that, I mean, you're an employee. I mean, they've known that for what two decades. Yeah. But they're in denial. What did uh, what's his name? The guy who just. Well, it's it's kind of the Erwin uh, Mainway uh, kind of denial. You know who Erwin Mainway uh, was. I was thinking more of Father Jenkins saying, "If people become employees, or was it Monk Malloy six months ago, they'll they'll never become employees on our campus, or something along those lines." Well, he he, he is mistaken. I I, I <laughs> think so. Misinformed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I say that you know as uh, uh, you know you can you can do it. As as well as it can be done, given you know, given the state of the rules and and all of that, but that still doesn't mean they aren't employees or they're not, uh, uh, or or that they're total student athletes. Everybody's there for different reasons. Can you make sure that they get an education while they're there? Yeah, you can go a long way to doing that, and many schools do. And it's not you know, and and you you know, it's surprising who some of those schools are because there are really some that want to make sure that it, it's just not a total waste of their time in terms of the academics. Others don't care in the slightest, it, you know, it, so it, that, that varies. But, you know, so you can do it as well as you can. That doesn't mean the system is, um, is any, anything less than hypocritical. It is. It just is. How much, uh, how strong is the, uh, I mean, we know, Kevin and I, He's two years younger, but the group that I graduated with and Kevin graduated with, it's kind of a light group, have really stuck together. Okay, and there's there's people from every other school that do the same thing. I mean, I, I don't know if our group's any stronger than uh, than Maddie Weber's wife, Jill. Her ties to the Iowa ladies. I mean, they get together for all the games. I mean, they, they're as strong of, of friends as, as, as we are. Yeah, they're, our, just more, they're just disappointed more frequently than we are. Well, but what I'm saying is the... You do it for a reason. You do it to, to stay with your buddies, basically. But I guess my question is, if if you, if you take it to the extreme, and I'm going to use myself as, as a you know as a as an example, talk about me like professional football. I mean, I I'm not a phenom. I'm not I'm not a guy who, who gambles on it. I don't have a one of the fantasy pools, so I'm not watching every game to see if my guy scored or any that kind of crap. But you know, like Greg is really into it, our producer, and he knows, and Matty Weber is really into it. That's you know they know a lot more about it than I do. But I mean, in the last week, again, I'm just I'm cur- I'm curious as how the NFL is kind of working their way through this in real time. The last week, I couldn't watch the games on Thursday night. All right, and on Friday, I went to watch the game on Saturday night, and I couldn't watch that either. And really, you know, by Kevin on Sunday, I was sort of over it. I, I didn't miss it at all. I almost didn't care if I watched them on Sunday. It's not like it's it's such a big part of my hide. 
that if they went away or I couldn't watch them for six weeks, that I would I would like die or something. I might die for another reason, but that wouldn't be it. Well, we found that out when pro leagues go on uh, on strike. Have we yeah, not? I mean, I, and we've had some of our guys say, the way this is heading, I don't really care. Let's get together next year. I don't care if it's at a football game because it's going a direction that I'm nowhere near as much of a fan as I was 20 years ago. I don't I mean I, this whole thing with you know every year is a new year, every year is a new team. Everybody, it, you know, it's, it's becoming pro football. I mean, there's going to be a, come a point here where. A lot of schools, we just talked about recruiting and how much it costs. I think in, in three years, Kevin, there's going to be 20 schools that don't even recruit. They just, they just, they just use the portal. Yeah, well, who, who did I say? Uh, it might have been Southern Methodist or TCU or so, somebody this year said, you know, we're, we're doing high school recruiting five to seven scholarships. And uh, and then everything else is going to be, tra- you know, reserved for transfers. Yeah. Uh, so you're already starting to see that. Uh, you know, what... One of one of the products, and this is part of why I think that they will want to make them employees, is because they're going to want to lock down the players again. You know, I, I'm a big fan of freedom. I think it's overdone. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys uh, transfer frequently to their own detriment. But okay, you know, it's it's their choice, and 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 they they have the freedom to do it, and they do it. Uh, so they want to get into situations that work for them. But I do think once you start making them employees, you can have people under contract, and you, so uh, so that you know if you're going to sign a uh, a two-year contract or a three-year contract, that you're getting some kind of commitment from them, uh, some some kind of time commitment. Can you break a contract? Can you break an employment contract? Sure, but then there's some kind of uh, um, you know, if, if you're going to terminate for convenience, there's there's a, a specified financial formula to that, which means whatever you're making and whatever you know, and that that may tie into the, that. In fact, that may tie in with some of these collectives right away. Um, when you're into the name, image, and likeness stuff, there may be some kind of clawback for it, or there may be um, uh, until you uh, until you met your term requirement, you may see a. Um, you know, uh, stuff held in escrow for them. It, you know, I don't know how it's going to shake out. I do know that you've got a lot of people forking out a lot of money that are not going to put up with the status quo because the status quo ain't working for them. Um, so it it will be interesting to see how this shakes out because it is going to be pretty much what a standard collective bargaining agreement looks like. Uh, you know, I think it's just going to be I don't know if it's going to go that far, but as one of the people who used to be a contributor to the show, and maybe we'll again someday, used to tutor kids in Florida. I mean, the kids. He used to kid, when he was in high school, he was good at math, so he would tutor one or two guys that, let's just say, were more athletically gifted than him, but not as math gifted. Uh, and one of the guys, one day, ended up, his uncle ended up with a brand new Ford F-150. And the kid at one point said, I think I'm changing where I said I was going. And all of a sudden somebody said, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, everybody thinks this is free, Kevin. It's not free. Nothing's free. There's going to be somebody who comes from high school. He goes freshman year to Alabama. He hasn't played, but he got his, his, his education, his football training, his weight room. He got all that stuff. If he goes to leave, there's been a contract that says, you owe me freshman year back. That it's it's going to be a year in arrears or something. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. Yeah. I you know I I think and and 
you know, the question is always going to be what, what are the athletes, uh, what's their leverage? It's, you, you look in some of the other sports, they actually do have some leverage. So, you know, you can go, uh, you know, you can go to the G League uh, or, or uh, you know, and what have we seen? How many top prospects now are passing on college for basketball and, uh, uh, and, and you know, taking, you know, signing a professional deal to play, uh, um, you know, with one of the um, one of the developmental teams. Okay, so that's, you know, that's because the players had some alternatives, they actually have some leverage, and you probably get a little bit more stability out of that, frankly, than you get out of the, uh, the football setup as it stands now. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to shake out, but I know it's not going to be the status quo if you look out a few years from now. The problem, you know, the big problem is that nobody had the vision to take care of that if, even uh, even early on, if, if not right away, I've, I've said this a number of times. If you, it, it was like the Supreme Court decision caught them by surprise. Um, they thought they were going to win on name, image, and likeness after losing time and again through the court system. So they thought they were going to win. Well, they had no plan, no thought, no no structure to it whatsoever so as soon as the floodgates opened it was like yeehaw let's go everybody make your own rules as you go and uh and you know i that's not how it's unfolded for uh college basketball that's it's more unfolded step by step in terms of eligibility because the players did have other alternatives besides just becoming college basketball players they didn't have as many after the uh, NBA put in its um, age limit, so that you know, which kind of forced everybody into college. And the NBA ownership was willing to do that because they really had no idea what kind of player they had when they drafted them out of high school. And you know, for every Kevin Garnett or LeBron James, there was a uh, who, who were the guys the Bears or the Bulls drafted? Uh, Dave, Dave Shellhouse. Um, well, I'm not thinking of that. I'm thinking of um, Howard Porter, Eddie Curry. Yeah, you know, and, and Eddie Curry had a career in the NBA, but he was never a great player. But he was drafted at the level that you would expect to get a great player. So you, you know, you see those kinds of <coughs> deals. The NBA guys were tired of it, and frankly, the uh, uh, NBA players were willing to go along because they were also tired of seeing guys come out of high school and get paid more than they were getting paid. So you know, so they they worked it out and started developing some alternatives, and they have them now. And that I think that's a good thing. I think, you know, any, any player who wants to be able to, who, who doesn't feel like he belongs in college, is not inclined to be in college, or just it doesn't have the academic achievement, has an alternative now, and I think that's good. The We don't have that for football, and I don't envision us ever having, or in, in, any time in the foreseeable future, having that option for football where you can say, yeah, here, here's where you go if you don't want to be in college. So that does give a lot of leverage back to the um, to the uh, college administrators once they get tired of the chaos that they have. Well, it's right. it's. I think was be my next question, and maybe this is more of a. We'll get Mike on on Friday, and we'll try and uh, if he wants, and we'll have a kind of a military year in review and next year. But I, I, I think this football. I mean, it's it's kind of America's sport. 
I mean, you and I played, well, we played in the dorm league at Notre Dame, which is no more, by the way, uh, which was tackle with equipment. I mean, it, it is it is a sport that people love to watch, but it's it's akin to gladiator fights in a lot of ways. The, the thoughts of Chris, the Chris, crippling injuries are huge, and people die from it. You know, a miserable death. Well, a lot of people do, not everybody. It as a you you can go play. You and I can decide at baseball this this isn't working out for us uh, here. You and I can. Well, I was going to say Venezuela, but I don't think we want to go there. But we can go play in the Dominican Republic and and play fifty baseball games, or we could go umpire down there. And we're, we're it's a game. Not that you can't get hurt in baseball. You can or basketball. You get hurt walking off the curb, right? It's not something that when I went and played basketball every night, or you and I played softball, the idea we weren't coming home. Or we're coming home, you know, with a, with a big... I mean, it could happen. You could break a leg or something. But it's it's amazingly rare. Where this football is, you're not seeing it. A lot of high schools now are going flag football. A lot of, I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming, can we keep it going just for the gamblers and, and the people who like to watch it on TV because it's the manly game? I don't. I don't know, Kevin. Are we are we back in the wrong horse here? And everybody thinks that this stuff can never go away. I mean, when I started watching sports, by far the most the most uh, maybe baseball, but boxing was number one, wasn't it? And I don't. When's the last time you saw boxing? I mean, uh, I mean, it's to think that all this stuff is 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 forever. Nothing's forever, isn't it? I mean, I you know, I mean, how, how much are we gonna we're gonna drive toward? You're right. There's no alternative because nobody wants to have. Who's going to put together a league for 17 to 20 year olds to play tackle football and equipment? The cost. I mean, hockey. You can play how many games a year do those guys play? You get hurt once in a while. You get a puck in the nose, but that's about it. Uh, you know, it's not. It's not 80 percent of the game like it is in football, right? Well, you, you also you can't match the uh, the revenue side of it without the alma mater ties. If somebody, you know. It, you know how how do we you know baseball manages to have minor leagues, but it's not like they're filling the minor league stadiums in general. They're not. Well, you're not uh, filling them, but there's people there. They have big TV rights. But they don't. Um, so there's you know there's also that aspect of it. How do you replicate the current interest level in a minor league football system? I don't know that that's doable. I don't think it is either. I mean, even in high school, if you had a lot of really good... We used to play, uh, you know, at Beverly Park. There were teams, we'd have a, sometimes on a Saturday or a Sunday, Saturday afternoon usually, there'd be guys that came up and played where we would play 11-on-11 11 11, tackle football without equipment. It was a rough game where all these kids, except for me, played at, played at some high school or something. It was a, a pretty serious level of football. Guess how many people were watching? Nobody. <laughs> you know, but if but if it was Mount Carmel playing Leo back in the in the '60s, you couldn't get near the place because of the Mount Carmel and Leo. You'd have the kids playing on the field the day I was, or were from Mount Carmel, Leo, or Rita, or someplace, right? But it, and it probably was almost just as good a football. Yeah, nobody cares. I mean, it's all the hype, right? Can't well, yes, it is. It is, and you know, the the Titus School is powerful and cool. I mean, that's that's one of that's one of the attractions to it. But it's not going to be duplicated. So, do you do you envision the athletes having a similar alternative like they do in basketball? Um, because in basketball, they can make it work. 
they don't they don't need that level of revenue at that level right um, to be able to make it work so they don't you know they so they you know they've come up with alternatives you also have you know European options which occasionally somebody will take advantage of coming out of high school and they, but it, but there's options and that's that's really the point so you know you can you can choose to go to college and they still have transfer issues and they have all kinds of stuff you know all kinds of the same problems that they have in the um, uh, on the football side but it's just the, the the one thing that changes the nature of it is that if a guy doesn't feel like he belongs there he has a choice that eliminates a lot of the leverage that the colleges have over the athletes but I don't I think the you keep saying, and, and I mean, you're not wrong by saying that this they weren't ready for the NIL, but I, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm supposed to know this stuff because of the economic piece of it. I am stunned at how rapidly, maybe because it was always maybe behind the scenes somewhere, I'm stunned at how rapidly it got from somebody being able to cut a deal for themselves, you know, be it the young ladies getting the modeling contracts or the guys being able to act in a play or whatever it is. How, how how swiftly it's gone from that to everybody just gets paid somehow. Yeah, doesn't it seem like somebody did have a problem? Somebody not named college administrators. Yeah, well, um, seems like it. Kevin, I mean, thank. There was a plan there, so you know, it, it got executed. But it's but I'm not so sure. I, I I'm going to say that uh, the last time I dug through that, what was the Wall Street? Not Wall Street. It was New York Times article about how how many of these things now. Some of them are. Are tax deductibles? Some aren't. The IRS seems, of course, behind the, because they're big shots doing this. The IRS isn't going to show anywhere near the fervor of going after this they do against you or me. So I mean, we can't even count on our our uh, institutions to say, no, wait a minute, it's that's not a charity. We're not going because if it's the right people, then they might let it be a charity. Who knows, right? I'm just just saying it. We can't we can't count on anything these days. Seems to me. And anyway, we'll talk Friday. We'll try and have Mike on. We'll talk about. Uh, the the military urine review, I guess the good news is uh, the uh, shipments are starting back on the Red Sea, right? Because uh, the nations have gotten this group together to protect these ships. So Maersk is going back what tomorrow or the next day, I mean, pretty quick. So that's yeah. probably pretty good news. Kevin, we'll talk at you Friday. SP features up one and a quarter, and Nasdaq features up nine fifty. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR. Innovation in Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Uh, we hear very little and we understand even less. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Welcome back to Dr. Jackson. I'm Tom Howell. SP, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 1. NASDAQ Futures up 10.50. When uh, one of the guys was writing in telling me the Fibonacci replacement is a series of stuff that's not two-thirds. All right. Well, that's fine. I'm going to have to dig that up and see if that's correct. One of the guys used to be on was a technical guy said a full Fibonacci is always two-thirds. So we'll see. Two-thirds is the number that Russell, help me with this. Isn't is, isn't uh? I thought it. I thought it was point six one two eight or something like that. Eh, it close was enough. Approximately two thirds. Not exactly two thirds. All right. Well, it's close enough. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, how are you? What's what's the good word? Did you have a good I'm, Christmas? I'm beam. I'm beaming him. We need to get a map, and we need to put little thumbtacks on the map of everywhere that I've appeared on this show from, because uh, I would be at the Hilton Midtown in New York City today. I have uh, uh, stayed there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think everybody and their mother has stayed here at once. And I had this grand plan. Um, you know, if you've been here and you did something for SIBO, you probably did something on the second or the third floors. Everybody and their mother has spoken at one of the ballrooms at one time. And I'm like, in a million years, there's not going to be any kind of convention or anything going on. So I'll just sneak up in that area and it'll be really quiet. Well, oh, Rutgers is playing in the pinstripe bowl and this is their head hotel. Ah. <laughs> is this so, the, this isn't the place big, with go, the go uh, Big Ten? This is not. Let me let me, let me get my Hiltons together. There's the yeah. there's the Hilton Times Square that actually has a theater downstairs, right? That's not. No, weird. that's not this one. This one's is a little bit north, um, uh, between 53rd and 54th. Uh, you know, right up near Rockefeller Center and all that kind of crap. All right, then there was another one that was actually yeah. a real big one that was cheaper back in the day. That was was it Hilton? Uh, was right near the. Penn Station or something. The place was big. There was another Hilton there. Oh, I know what you were talking about. Yeah, there's one down in that direction, too. I've never stayed at that one, because I don't think that's one that, that they do events and stuff at. But, um, yeah, it, I, I've accidentally come to this place when I was with SIBO to do a presentation when I was supposed to be at a different hotel, because just out of habit, so much stuff goes on at this place. But that's where I am. I'm, well, good for you. Did you ever stay at I, the... I feel, uh, like we spend, I, feel, I feel like we spend too much time talking about my family and all that kind of stuff, but my, my youngest daughter had never been to New York, so this was kind of her Christmas present. Well, good so for you. Uh, ask me. Did you ever yeah. stay? Is it? I imagine it's still open. Is the uh, well, Helmsley's dead, isn't she, or is she? 
Leona Humsley? Yeah, Leona. You know, it's really funny. Her name used to be in front of an office building downtown, and it was not there uh, when I was downtown yesterday in New York. So um, I don't think her name. I I don't think her name is on stuff anymore. But man, she was a notorious friendly person, wasn't she? Well, I remember the uh, staying. Did you ever stay at the Palace? I did not. Oh God. You should. But I, I know. I know where you're talking. I've been in the lobby there, but I've never seen it's there. it's it's quite the place. And the uh, I think one of the bars used to be the wasn't the palace used to be the rectory of St. Pat's Church or part of it was or some story. In one of the it bu- was connected to it. I think it was right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was across the street, so maybe underground. Yeah. But but the one, oh, of, yeah, no, one of the bars. Of kind of one of the places <laughs> was the old chapel with the stained stained glass windows and stuff. And there it was it was freaky. I've never been in there either. You get you have such an interesting life compared to me. This is back when I was on your board. <laughs> I know. Well, I remember the the, lo- the lobby. If you walk through there, we're talking the nineties. I mean, you had to find somebody speaking English. It was all yeah. There's a, there there's there's certain hotels in New York. I think that, that do attract. And this isn't a positive or negative. It's just a fact. Um, seem to attract. Um, yeah, it, there's certain hotels when you stay there. It seems like everybody's speaking French or everybody's speaking German or, or whatever. That there's certain hotels in New York that maybe Europeans favor, and you know, much like if you go to a Hilton in uh, Germany, you're going to find people that speak English there. So, okay. You know, maybe maybe that has something to do with that. Well, the uh, I remember the, the the place had this, and it was really weird because it was not really connected to the place, the palace. I mean, they had the mm-hmm. the Cirque du Soleil bar was in there. I have, I have okay. nev- I've never been in a bar like that place. It was, it was talk about the intergalactic bar. Everybody, the, mm-hmm. the, the seats you sat in were big, huge, like you'd you'd have in your grandmother's living room, big, huge, semicircular uh-huh. chairs, yeah. and you'd sit and you kind of move those around and gather them together, and you couldn't charge to the room. It was a totally separate, separate nut. But talk about mm-hmm. the characters that you you met in there. There were people that were doing the Cirque du Soleil and stuff, and. Uh, I, I had a good time at the Helmsley, let's put it that way. But it was, because, uh, uh, you know, whenever you were... So, with, mm-hmm. We also stayed a lot at that place on uh, further further towards Central Park where there's the addresses on both sides. You can walk out both doors. It's, that wasn't a hill. I think it might have been a hill. I'm not sure what it was. That's. I think that I think that might be where I am. Oh, so. it's pretty nice. I mean, where you, can, you walk yeah. out one one street and then you walk out the other street. You can you get The first time in New York, you get totally confused because you, you leave the place. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're on a different street than you walked in, and you're like, "Hey, what the bleep? What where am I? Where am yeah. I? I, I?" I used to love going there. Of course, we always stayed at the nicest places. So it was easy. You know, what we never stayed yeah. though. Was that uh, one of the back when cigar smoking had just started? Kind of. Yeah. There was. Did you ever stay in the St. Regis? Remember the King Tut's Bar in the St. Regis? Um, no, I never been there, but I know what you're talking about. Well, so. these goofballs on the board, right? And then and the higher staff at the SIBO, for some reason they got into this, you know, cigar smoking, which I never, I never did. But so they, yeah, we would we would head off to this place. And it was this tiny little bar. I mean, we're talking ten tables and maybe fifteen seats at the bar. That's it. I mean, maybe not even ten. Mm-hmm. Tables, maybe like seven or eight. They bring around the big humidor, and I would. But I'm in New York for the board meeting for like, you know, maybe what we wasn't even maybe thirty hours. 
you get there at three the day before and go to your hotel, get spruced up, go to dinner, go to this bar, go to the meeting, and go right from the meeting back to the airport, right? If you could. Yeah. Well, yeah. You'd have to you'd have to bring yeah. two suits because the one that you sat there with all these guys smoking all night long was you couldn't put that one anywhere near the other stuff when you got back to your room. It's like hanging in the corner. So then you put the other one on for the next day. And if you put them both in the same suitcase, when you got home, you had to take them both to the cleaners. It's like because they were both yeah. totally stink through. I'm sitting there going, was this cigar stuff really worth it, especially if I didn't even smoke? The answer is no. But anyway, Not that's at all. No. But you should have seen the, uh, the young ladies that would find their way into that place. It was... Because they, they knew everybody in there from some out of town with money, I guess, and smoked cigars. Yeah. And uh, anyway, in- interesting. Some of these trips, uh, I digress. But hey, I don't know if you were listening on mm-hmm. some of the stuff with. Uh, I actually uh, used your name last night, your name, but your ideas. Uh-oh. We were talking about uh, where the NCAA is going with this football and stuff. And I said, there's yes. a lot of schools yeah. that are not on board with this. And I have, I have a f- good friend and a contributor to the show that is not convinced that the University of Indiana is going to be in this very high, high, you know, let's bid for this guy every single day off the portal and losing that guy. They don't seem, at least according to my friend, as of now, they're not saying we're all in on this. And I think there's a lot of places that aren't. And I, you're always the well, voice you, of reason. You, I, I, I'll bet you if you, you could say the same thing about, and I, I, I have not heard that about my school, uh, and I, I want to I want to dance delicately about that. I never want. I've already gotten one slap on the wrist because of some social media stuff, and I don't ever want to get another one at IU. Um, and it wasn't even my fault. It was somebody that commented on something that, oh, okay. that I had said. Yeah, and actually, it was somebody who ripped on the Barbie movie and how I don't know, I don't know, it, about how it was just made men t- look terrible and everything. I'm like, dude, I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. So I got to be very cautious here, but. You probably could make an assumption that schools like, and, and you'll you'll not notice the common thread here, schools like maybe North Carolina, Duke, um, maybe even UCLA to a certain point, um, Indiana for sure, Kentucky. When I say Kentucky, I think the light bulb goes off. Don't you assume that um, if you're trying to put, you know, if you're – if you're a booster and you want to be able to say, you know, my million dollars did that, that you're going to put that money toward basketball instead of football. Uh, okay, well, I, th- I think they're somewhat going in different directions because the basketball does okay, have Well, I just, yeah, and you can do, you know, yeah. you can do NIL with basketball as well, but where, where I'm going with that is um, at Alabama, uh, at you know Georgia, at um, Texas A and M, at a lot at the football schools, they're going to spend the NL, NIL money on football, and I'll guarantee you that a quarterback is going to cost a lot more than a seven foot, um, you know, seven foot center with with a lot of potential. Um, so that, I think there may be some of that, and what might happen to if if they really do generate into, let's say a thirty six team upper, upper, upper division um, college football group. I'm not even going to call it a conference. I'll call it a group <clears throat> where you take the top um, where you take the top half from the SEC and take the top half from the Big Ten and then you scatter in a, you know, a, a Florida State and a Clemson which is the direction that is most definitely going um, that Indiana might get dropped from that 
and you know, which would be extremely unfortunate. But we we're past the point of no return, where at least in my mind, the sport's ruined. And and I'm one of these guys that used to, you know, eleven o'clock Central Time, which is when the first kickoffs go off. Um, you know, I basically I would do my I. I I have to do Saturday office hours, or I do Saturday office hours from 9 to 11 Chicago time. And the reason that I chose 9 to 11 Chicago time is so I can go downstairs and, you know, get on the couch and spend my whole day going from college football game to college football game. By the end of this year, I only watch the schools that I have associations with. I just I just started just dumping it. Um, and I'm not alone. I know over the last decade, that college football attendance across the board. And I don't care that Alabama sells out every freaking game. There's 132 other schools or whatever. Right. And you and you need them. You know, they, they, I'm in New York. The Yankees need the other 29 teams or they can't exist and they need them to be, you know, to to be somewhat competitive, etc. Um, but college football attendance is down 10% over the last decade. It has nothing to do with COVID. The trend was in place before 2019. I, uh, so, I, I think, you know, it, it, I, you, you know, 100 years ago, do you know what the most popular sport, two, the top two sports in America were? Uh, boxing was for sure one. It was boxing and horse racing. Yeah, I would, I would have guessed horse racing. This, this stuff doesn't last forever. You know, there, there are cycles. I mean, I even had somebody in our industry said, you know, there's no, you know, God-given rule that we're going to have listed options forever. Something could come along and replace that as well. Oh, because you remember firms have never wanted them. That's that's a big problem yeah. there. Yeah. No. Well, now they're stuck with them, and now they love them. You know. It's, well, some uh, do, some with don't. All the, with all the with all the volume that we're doing, et cetera, they're loving them. What? Oh, uh, ridiculously high volume. Well, the volume, but the the volume you can't you can't say the volume's up when you get expirations every day versus every three months. I mean, the volume is. is up, but it, I mean, it, 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 no, it, no. If you if you yank those out, it, it is slightly, and it's just because there's been a nice spillover effect. It hasn't been a cannibalization effect. Well, I mean, it, anyway, I, 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 I've done a, I've done. I, I get it. But, but before we, <laughs> well, I want to get more on, on topics for the since we're sort of a year in review here. But what yeah. do you what do you suppose? Let's not even let's not use Indiana. Let's not use Notre Dame. What? If if you and I were to put together, since you're the you're the business economics guy, if we're going to say, and here, here here's our old model, and I just was going through with Kevin, you know what the recruiting budget is. Okay, so mm-hmm. our old model used to be, we're going to fly around the country, we're going to borrow, you know, Greg Pappas's private jet, and we're going to spend all this money on these high school kids, and the number is going to be two million dollars, and we've been doing this for, you know, sixty years like this sort of. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just doing it now with the you know, it's quicker. And a little more expensive, and blah blah. Not to mention this, the uh, education is now seventy, even though it's not you know it's not the variable cost; it's the fall-in cost. But now we're going to say, here, but here's the new the new model. We're going to have to have five people, four people, ten people. I have no idea what the department would look like, and we're going to keep this massive database of everybody all around the country and all these other teams and blah blah blah. And we're going to have uh, these different sources of income from this group that if a guy's really good, they're going to go pay the kid $600 a night to go twice a week to go talk to some two old people in a hospital, and that's going to be tax deductible. But now this one, these people are going to pay, and this is going to happen. And oh, by the way, if, if Greg Pappas's name pops onto the portal at, at noon, 
by 2 o'clock, we have to know everything about Greg Pappas, and we have to be able to submit a bid of some kind if we want him as competitive to other people. I think half mm-hmm. the people on the board are either asleep or say, I want no part of this. What, what, are, you, what are you even talking about? I mean, because that's really yeah. what it's come down to, right? No, no, it's, and it's, it, I forgot what coach it was, but um, there was a coach that outright said, uh, you know, a top quarterback in the transfer portal is going to cost you $6 million for a year. Or it's going to be. Uh, can you, fa- I mean, yeah, I mean, can you, fa- and, and, and then the other thing is, you're not, before they're in the portal, you're not even supposed to be talking. Which, of course, we all yeah, know they and, are. And, yeah, there's no way. And you talked about, you know, the you brought up the private jet to go pick up, you know, to go talk to these different recruits. I would assume, and I know this always went on just because I went to Memphis State and Memphis State's football coach went down in a plane crash with some of the really high-end boosters uh, when he was on a recruiting trip. Really? Good. So I know that they were taking along. I mean, this was in the 80s, for goodness sakes. So they were going along then. You got to assume that they're going along now, and they have a, uh, you know, when they go see some of these kids, um, they have a much stronger presence and a more official role than they used to. As far as um, you know, here's you'll start. Here's who we play. Here's where you'll get to play. Here's our history of getting quarterbacks um, 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 drafted very high, and. And, you know, here's the development that we've been able to do with quarterbacks. Of course, we had them for four years, but, you know, that doesn't matter. And um, and let me uh, – let me. why don't you talk to Jimmy Joe Bob here from – you know, that owns 52 car dealerships in, a, in, in Alabama because he's going to hook you up with uh, whatever car you want. You know, our quarterback gets a use of a free car for the year. Plus, Jimmy Joe Bob, tell him about it. So, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's got to be part of the pitch. Well, you also and need to you need to sign a deal with Nike or somebody because mm-hmm. if you actually need that million or so bucks, that's hard to come out of your alumni, even no matter who you are. Oh yeah. So you no, have to you have to sign a deal with Nike a lot lower than mm-hmm. what maybe would be the market rate because if you say we need Greg Pappas as our quarterback, they're going to immediately go given Greg Pappas a name, image, and likeness mm-hmm. deal. Says, oh, by the way, you're now going to Memphis or Notre Dame or someplace. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's different well, levels to all this, and and you're oh, right. Yeah. Well, they're yeah, starting to the levels are so. Yeah, there's so many of them I can't even describe. I seems like I think of a new one every month. Well, I'll give you another one. Um, you know, Memphis, and, and it, for people that don't know, I teach in Indiana. I went to Oklahoma State. I went to Memphis State, which is now University of Memphis. So I, I kind of have. Um, you know, I've got a basketball school. I've got a couple of basketball schools, I guess. But I have, like, one that's dying to get into the higher tier. You know, one that struggles at football, has a great history of basketball, and one that had uh, one of the best boosters on God's green earth in the form of T. Boone Pickens. Uh, I really wish NIL had come around 15 years ago because T. Boone would have bought us the best team known to man and we, Oklahoma State would have dominated the world. I could you imagine if that if if, if he were still alive? Did you, re- you ever re- to... do you ever regret or do you ever think about putting an initial in front of your name? Who me? Yeah. The R. Allen Rhodes. That would be my. Well, my I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what consonant yes, you picked. Yes, yes, I did. I did. What, what would you have picked? <laughs> uh, I would have. I would have used um, R. I would have. I would have just switched to my middle name. You'd be R. Russell. I don't know about that. It I'd be right. R. Allen. My middle name is Alan. Ah, so 
that's why I, I did think about that at one time. Well, do you think his middle name was Boone, or was that his, his mother's maiden name? I think it was Boone. His mother's maiden name. I think it No, well, I'm not sure if he's part of the Boone family like I am, but damn it, I never put that into it. Yeah, that right. one together. I have no idea. I could. Find, I know somebody that could tell me. Uh, what do you think about? What do you think but, about? What do you think about Greg Pappas? What 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 would we use for him? T T T Greg Pappas. Um, I don't know. Maybe M for M Greg money money Greg money Greg. No. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We, I don't know. You got to get the right concept. You, you, know, you can always do. I I think T. It's just for he was a V Boone Pickens. Ah. But you got it's kind of a yeah. ring to it. It can't be. Yeah. It's kind of a, that southern kind of sing-song ring to it. It does. The T-Bone is a is the perfect name, and you always know who you're talking about. Oh, without a doubt. Um, the, the, the booster from, formerly known as T-Bone. How did Memphis lose the state? They don't. They're not supported by the state anymore. Or they just lost the name. No, we were the only. Uh, we were the only school east of the Mississippi that was not, that that had the word state. In our name, what about Michigan that, State? That I, you didn't let me. Oh, all right. and I was trying to think how to arti- articulate it. So no, that didn't have a that didn't have a state name as ah. part of the school's name. So and like Kent State had dropped state as well. Oh, they're not uh, they're not Kent State anymore. I don't know. Maybe they are. I don't. Know. There was something about it, they just felt like it would sound better and. They dropped it the year after I graduated, and then I went back and got a graduate degree. So I have a degree from Memphis State and a degree from University of Memphis. And I actually had some Jack Hole look at my resume and say, "Wow, you went to a much better graduate school than undergraduate." Yes, you're correct. You yeah. gotta be kidding me. <laughs> no, I'm not. That no. is so. That is so a, scary. It was a. It was a floor trader. Oh, okay. You know, they don't know anything. But those, aren't some of the. Uh... Some are predominantly black schools, or is it Morgan State? Is that they're they're all they're oh yeah, state. they yeah there there was something about we were the only one in a certain level. It might have been the only Division One football team outside uh, of California that had state because okay. we got San Diego State. So, so what um, uh, what do you make of I'm I'm, I'm sort of uh, in you know we're not arguing arguing, but if you do in, in the office when you're managing money, you try to get everybody's opinion when you you know figure out how long and short you want to be and so forth and one of my uh, guys who's been in the business as long as me he's I'm having I'm having problems getting him to stay long um, and he's like what are you talking about it's, it's how many days in a row this is not gonna last how much longer and we put a position yeah. in like a couple of weeks ago where every day <laughs> I just want to roll up one of the calls because we have some buried yeah. we have some buried calls so we're not yeah. long enough in the Absolutely. position so I want to be long, and I'm like, and, and he's like, well, this is this is nuts. This is how many days in a row is mm-hmm. going to be a kickback like last week? I said, look, look, it, it's all the stuff about everybody looks at their stock, they see that it's going to make forty cents next year, versus the prognosticators say thirty eight. You buy the stock, and there's there's all this cerebral crap going on. That stuff is so far is so far gone the way of the dodo bird, Russell. I, I can't believe I ever thought that way. It's all about money flow, and it's all about central banks as of right now. Someday it'll go back the other way. And, yeah, there's there's relative flows inside inside the markets, whether you know, if oil goes down, those stocks might go down, and other ones are going to go up. But it's all about the money in the pool. And and I I see the, the Fed turning around. They're going to be 4 to 5% up money supply this year. Damn, damn the inflation full speed ahead. 
and they're going right back to the 2000 until now model that they've had before COVID, and they're going to do it after, and that's just the way it's going to be. And they're going to keep pushing these asset prices up, up, up. And the only thing I you can't you can't do that. The, why? I mean, I, I mean, they may try, but you can't bring it. By the way, you know I agree we, with you. Got, we, you know what? You know what? It's like it's like taking you know the, a really cheap um, version of paper towel, and you wipe everything that you possibly can wipe up off the table, and and you keep trying to you, you know you keep trying to use that to wipe everything else up. You've got to allow you got to allow the, the economy to absorb all the cash that's been thrown out there. And we haven't caught up to that quite yet. And, um, and you know, so you're just going to make the spill much worse. The you know, they've, they've, got to, they've got to allow everything else to catch up with all the money that they've thrown in the system. They've got to stop throwing so much money into the system. I, uh, it's just it's because what's going to happen is you're, you you what you do is you increase somebody articulated really well uh, just after COVID about how all the money makes it just increases the risk of inflation uh, based on fundamental factors. You know if if something happens, you know let's just say uh, you know, something happens really bad internally within China and they're they're you know not producing things anymore and our, we have small supply chain issues. Those things get very accentuated when there's a ton of money floating around. By the way, you do know... So, the, so the risk of a negative reaction to not necessarily all the money being put in the system, but the money that... The, the, the amount of risk and what can end up happening if there's extra money in the system and all of a sudden you need to change your, you know, your supply chain around a bit, uh, you might not worry as much about how much it costs because you believe you can pass that on to your customers. Um... You do, of course, realize that I agree with you. Oh, I know you agree with me. That's why I, I know it's not very exciting when we don't agree. But, but so you, you, they got to cut this crap out. Um, if they you, just, they if, just have to. If you or they got to continue, or they got to leave it more, or make it more expensive. And when I say make it more expensive, it's just leave rates where they are. I'm going to send uh, Greg Pappas with you as your as your bodyguard to go Uh-oh. to go give this presentation to. Either the Fed or the or the people who are running for office that are getting money from people hand over fist that have made all this money in the last few years, and yeah. and you and you're going to have this story about this really hasn't worked out for everybody. And by the way, you got to change it because it has a it has a shelf life, and one of these days you're just going to make it really bad. Uh, yeah, that 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 goes over like a fart in church in that room. And you're right. I had a, I had dinner with somebody last week who you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Went to a place out in uh, Burr Ridge and a uh, nice place. And he's a you guy. You live right there. I know. He's a guy that uh, when I was had ten people trading for me on the trading floor and actually cared a lot about people getting ahead in the world and and how I thought this was the greatest place in the world to work. And meanwhile, he was accumulating three, four, five seats. And as you know, there is no more trading floor, right? I don't have a job there yeah. anymore. And his five seats are worth God knows how much. And I think the actual, the actual response was, you need to lose this uh, somewhat closet liberal view that things are supposed to be fair. Why don't you just admit that the right people have the money, and they should have the money, and that's the way it is, and that's the way it's got to keep going. 
something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like they that. they think they earned it. How many mm-hmm. how many uh, brokers of, of of dubious intellectual capacity do you think retired from the SIBO that never made a trade in their life other than working for you know whatever and uh, came out of there with one seat and have been set for life and think thinks the current SIBO management's the best thing in the world because they made out like a bandit. Forget the part where there are no more traders and the market suck. Forget all that. Yeah. I mean, forget yeah. that part. So, I mean, it, it depends on whatever, whatever side you land on is, is the side you think is correct. And you and I have this view that at the end of the day, uh, this kind of sequestering of wealth, or whatever you want to call it, ends up being bad not only for other people, it ends up being bad for those people as well. You know, read 1929 and a couple other times. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet, and, and our argument is is like a fart in the wind, Russell. I mean, am I wrong or not? Yeah, it hasn't happened yet, and it probably, unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I, I do have a strong... We, we, we should start a group that believes in creative destruction. Yeah. Well. But that's how you get farther and farther ahead in life. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have... I mean, I... I at a, an academic and intellectual level, you know, I'm kind of okay with all the buggy, buggy whip manufacturers going out of business because now we have cars, et right. cetera. You know, and and that that you know that growth. I wonder if one of the things that you need to to spark to you know to spark that is uh, some sort of correction that maybe levels the playing field a bit more. I would agree, but the idea. You know, and I think you I can just, put it in your I, economics class. Economic if economic drawdowns are actually a long-term positive because they um, create opportunities for people that that want to do, um, you know, that, that maybe have an idea or something along those lines. Well, you can only steal. We'll go to break here in a sec, but there, there was, yep. I read this article once that uh, it's the job of government. Some some people, if left their own devices, especially if they involve government and their mayhem, will steal ninety percent of the money. From or from ninety you percent know, of the money from the other ninety percent of the people, and yeah, and if you no, don't given the opportunity, which, which actually is somewhat vibrant, mm-hmm. if if you don't find but, a way but, to get it back to the other people so they can do it over again, you just stagnate. <laughs> you, end, you end up with a nobles and a feudal, feudal system. Yeah, and I mean, you say steal. I I I say I I think you know be a be a you know, and and I know that this is. Probably not the best example, but be a Bill Gross. The not Bill Gross. Um, who's a Bill Gates? Good Lord, I'm getting old. Be Bill Gates. You know, in, you know, come up with something that makes you super rich, but also makes the rest of the world's life better. Uh, Bill Gates is is ten. I know. I know he didn't. I know he didn't come up with it on his own. No, what I'm saying, he's he's ten percent, ten percent an yeah. inventor, and he's ninety percent a monopolist. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, the ten percent I'll give them. I don't want to give them the other ninety, but mm-hmm. we do. SP futures up two seventy five. Nasdaq futures up ten, up eighteen, up again. You're right back, stocks and jacks. This self directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. 
That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every Every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Low and roll fake stocks from Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Uh, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up three. NASA Futures up 20. So, Greg, if you had to pick a, a consonant in front of your name, which would it be? Uh, maybe when, maybe if one of us gets to be a billionaire, then we'll start picking initials. I'm just thinking what would what would roll off the lips. I thought about, I thought about this during the break, and I think F is the perfect letter. F? F, Greg? Yeah. No, no, F, Russell Rhodes. Oh, all right. Tom Howell. <laughs> I think if you, if you if you used F Greg and it sounded like F Greg, I don't know if you want to do that. No, I do not want. To. I don't. They wouldn't want that. Go no, ahead. No, no. Sorry, <laughs> I, just, I, t I totally blew the flow there, but I think that's that's one of my specialties here. Well, I'm just you know, <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, Dow futures down down a buck. I don't see anything in the Dow. The Dow everything looks like it's kind of well. Goldman Sachs is down two sixty six. I don't know why that is. Everything else is kind of up here. Caterpillar up eighty seven cents. Nothing else. Kind of going crazy over in Asia. We finally have a bounce. Nikkei up 375, 1.1%. Hang Seng up 284, 1.7%. Uh, 16,624. Shanghai up 15.5%. Still under 3,000. Again, uh, uh, Australian shares closing their two-year highs. This this phenomenon, and we're going to get Russell to comment on this, this phenomenon with Ru uh, the Chinese stocks just hanging back here, can't get anywhere, is, I don't know if it's troubling or not. It's there, and nobody seems to, nobody seems to think it's a, any kind of a warning sign at all. Uh, DAX up 50.3%, FTSE up 44.6%, Kakaron up 17.2%. Now, careful there, because they were not open yesterday, so this is a, a two-day rally, not just a one-day rally there. Yesterday, Dow was up 159, S&P up 20, NASDAQ up 81, a nice solid day to the upside. Uh, Bonds down 4 basis points, 3.85. The Bund down 6 basis points, 1.90. Japan down 3 basis points, 0 0.60. The world has us going back to... What, 1% one one interest rates? Happy days are here again. Oil, up down 76 cents, 74.81. Brent down 67 cents, 80.40. Natural gas up 8 cents, 263. Still really low for almost January. Uh, Arbob, unchanged at 215. Kind of makes you wonder why your gas bills are so high, huh? Uh, gold up 950, 2,079. Creeping, creeping toward that 2,100 number. Silver down 3 cents, 24.36. Copper up 3 cents, 3.93. We've been along some uh, copper stocks lately, and actually done halfway decent there. I don't know, I don't know if that's going to keep going or not, but so far so good. Uh, Bitcoin up 723 now, 42,877. Uh, when we have the U.S. dollar, the euro is uh, now almost 111, 1.107. British pound up 27 basis points, 1.275. So the dollar, as we we're starting to sneak more money into the system again, has been going down, and you see every other asset going up. It's just. Except maybe your paycheck. 
What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports, Greg? Morning, everyone. 738 here in Doubles. Chicago. Uh, 37 degrees right now, 44 today. Some sun, rain tonight, though. Phoenix, 42 right now, 65, sunny to partly cloudy a little bit later. Traffic, everything's pretty open. Montrose to the interchange, nine minutes. Uh, inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 22 minutes. Inbound Eisenhower from Wolf, 14 minutes. 95th to the interchange on the Ryan is 12 minutes. And the inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 16 minutes. NBA, Pistons, 27 straight losses. Ouch. Bulls beat the Hawks at home. That was 113-118. NHL, we've got the Hawks at home tonight against the Jets. And let's see, NCAA football is kicking off at about 12 Central. We have the Military Bowl presented by GoalBowling.com. We've got Duke's Mail Bowl after that and the DirecTV Holiday Bowl after that. And... Tex Act Texas Bowl tonight. So first up is Virginia Tech Tulane. Next, North Carolina, West Virginia. At 7 tonight, Louisville, USC. And then finally, um, the Texas Bowl is Texas A&M at Oakey State. So that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Do you have a clue as to how much Duke had a pony up for that bowl? Pony up okay. for it? Yeah. What did you just call my school? Duke. Duke Mayo. Oklahoma that- State. Oklahoma State. Oh, he said, how much did Duke Mayo have to pony up for that bowl? (laughs) Do you have any idea? Duke's Mayo Bowl? I have. Yeah. The Duke's Mayo Bowl? What did Duke have to pony up for his name on this thing? I would say a few million bucks, wouldn't you think? I I don't know, man. I I would would guess, but I'm not sure. That's why I'm asking. You know, I have a a friend who's like a, a really perverted Cajun kind of guy, and he had a fun thing he liked to do with Mayo. And so whenever he hooked up with a girl, he said, I'm Mayoder. That's what stuck in my mind forever. The organizers. So that's what I think. If his name were Duke, then I would think he had something to do with the bowl. 3.5 million, according to. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That was a couple years ago, so maybe it's gone up. That's a lot of mayo. Maybe it's gone down. I mean, are these schools having problems selling their tickets? Do we know? Or we won't probably hear that. Of course they are. Have you seen how empty some of these bowls are? I know. If if you're the camera guy. I, I. we're we're looking at maybe going to the pinstripe bowl because it's in Yankee Stadium and we've got tomorrow afternoon free, um, and I could get tickets at base, no problem. And you know, and Rutgers is playing in it, which you got to figure that's kind of a home game. Yeah. You know, they're right across the river, but kind of a home game. So that's the other thing: is how long can they how long can they put on money losing bowls? And what's going to happen when you have twelve teams in a playoff? Uh, are, are we going to have the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Anymore? Well, the teams the teams um, can't the teams you know, can't wait to go. Did you hear the uh, the coach from Northern Illinois the other day? What did he say? Uh, they they played. Greg, why do you see what bowl they were in? I, they, I don't know if they won or lost, but they they were playing uh, Arkansas State, maybe something like that. Yeah, they played Arkansas. Yeah, they, they, yeah. Uh, but they, they did play Arkansas. The coach State. came out and yeah. he said, "This is the most spectacular thing that's ever happened." Uh, Kevin says winning coach gets dulls by a giant container of mayo. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, That's freaking <laughs> awesome. The, um, That's my, my my friend. My friend Jason would love that. Believe it at that. Go ahead. Well, the the uh, God the uh, <laughs> the coach from uh, Lorne, Illinois, and he seems like a decent enough sort, but he's he's, he's Mister Coach, right? Which of course coaches are. He came on on TV, and he was he was. It was like he gave him 15 Viagra pills. He was just absolutely or- orgasmic about the fact that his 
team got like three or four more weeks in the weight room and on the practice field and how that, the young players that, have made all this progress. That is a huge deal. And but and I, did you were you the one that said that a lot of these bowls are like you know practice squad games for next year? No, that's, that's essentially what he said. He goes, we got another, yeah, like the younger yeah. players. I can't believe uh, two or three more weeks in the weight room and on the practice field how much they've advanced and. And now we have a, a big a big push on our spring game and next year. It's essentially the, the, none of the good players, well, I won't say none, but a lot of the good players don't play. Everybody in the portal doesn't play. This, this is your next year's team, except for the guys that you're getting through the portal. So I mean, but, I, I but that, extra, that extra practice is huge. Well, I, I, I mean, I have, coming from a school like Memphis where you know, they, they've got, they did go play in the Cotton Bowl a few years ago, but generally – uh, they're going to be in a second-tier bowl. That that the extra time that you get with the players is absolutely huge. These guys, um, they, start, they start. In fact, if you if you want to level the playing field, let the other you know give extra time to the teams that don't make bowls. You think they're really not in the weight room? The other the other teams. I mean, come on. Well, they're probably in the weight room, but but you know they have all these weird rules about uh, you know being when you can have organized type things. I could see you, yeah, you as a that, you yeah, as a you professor. You've, you've got them, yeah. I could see you as a professor, just one more lecture. They get control of these guys in the middle of June, for God's sake. They show up for yeah. for summer stuff. They're already doing weight rooms. They're already working out. With the, you know, the, 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 they're catching passes from their quarterback, and, and you're already to Thanksgiving. What is what is two? More, I mean, I get it if they're the other guys are gone now. You, you emphasize the guys next year a little bit more, but I'm not that dumb. I hope. But still, mm-hmm. God, God, Russell, just two more weeks. Just two more. I mean, come on. I mean, you, yeah. you, we've been at this for seven months. Just two yeah. more weeks. I mean, what was the, yeah. what was the, what was the, was it the Benny Hill? Just one more. No, no, just one, just one thin mint, sir. Just one thin mint, you know. <laughs> the guy blows yeah. up. Um, all right, economic, you're in review. Yes, you, about- you're, you're absolutely convinced. Yeah. That the Fed cannot go back to business as usual, I say they absolutely can, and they're going to until something bad happens. You and I are just voices in the wilderness. Uh, I'm not saying that they sh- that, that that they can't. I'm saying they shouldn't. All right, and if you're if you're a holder, uh, I'm, of, I'm, wor- I'm word parsing there, but if you're uh, a, if you're I a holder of no, I think I think they will. I, I think that, that I, I think they'll you know continue to give us more and more money and. It, the second there looks like there's a small crack, they're gonna, you know, it's kind of like uh, if you, if you got a small crack in in the seawall holding back the ocean, and every time you see that, instead of just fixing the crack, they're building a whole new seawall in front of it, over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and and if you keep overdoing it like that, um, eventually you're gonna run out of cement. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. I gotta write that down somewhere. Um, yeah, really, you're just gonna run out of that ability. At some point, it runs out of that ability. And what you really need is you need a combination of fiscal and monetary policy. And the Fed's the monetary part. Uh, and the fiscal part you know, is complete. That's the part that's completely out of control. You know, when when you can pass something called an Inflation Reduction Act that actually increases inflation. Then I got no confidence in in the you know the fiscal side of things, the Congress, the president, all that kind of stuff. Well, you're not going to you're not going to yeah. put a guy in the spot that has the stones mm-hmm. to tell, that has the stones to tell Congress no. I mean, because they're the ones that appoint yeah. him. They're the ones that appoint him. 
Well, you know what? We had we had a guy that that would tell Congress no, but he was such a who's there? Wow, I really, I really almost FCC was there. He was such um, an unpleasant fella. Who are we talking about? He made a different. I'm talking about the previous president. Um, I'm talking about you know F. Donald Trump. Okay, I was talking about an SEC chairman. Not oh, SEC. Okay. Uh, no, no, I'm talking about Federal Reserve Chairman. Federal Reserve Chairman, sorry. Okay. No, and I, because I was talking about the fiscal side, I'm talking about the, uh, I mean, I guess the Federal Reserve Chairman, that's, that's really not his role. Sure it is. To tell Congress what they Well, I mean, he should suggest what they should do. No, he, he should, he, his you know, role his is. His testimony. You know what? Have we ever seen a Federal Reserve Chair there in their testimony say, you know, it would be great if Congress did and then fill in the blank? No, what 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 he yeah. what he ought to say, and I, I'm not saying I would yeah. do it if I was there. What he ought to say is, there's there he, he, on national TV in front of Congress, in front of Greg Pappas's questioning, he should say, mm-hmm. okay, here's the deal. When you guys spend money, you spend it one of three ways. One is you, if you spend money more than you have, you're going to go out and you're going to tax it, which I understand you don't really want to do. You're going to go borrow it. But if you do too much of that, you're going to raise the interest rates, or you're going to ask me to print it for you. Uh, count me out. Yeah, that's what he has to say. Yeah, and nobody's going to yeah, do that. Yeah, I mean, I, and and you know, it's kind of funny. Um, everybody's favorite Congress or representative AOC, she had some you know, early on. She had some strange clean energy idea or something like that. And somebody did ask her how you're going to pay for it, and she said, "Oh, well, you know, we'll just get the Federal Reserve to, uh, you know, give out really low interest loans to make sure this is successful." That was her solution. Which, but but that's that's been everybody. You can't blame her. That's everybody's solution. I know it's everybody's solution, but that's not a that's not a good solution. Man. What do you suppose would happen? That's not for. Uh, I'm not going to say you right wingers. What happened for the uh, right wingers of the world? The and by the way, I, I have no joy in paying taxes, as most people would think mm-hmm. as a traitor or as a human being. Uh, if somebody were to go back and say, uh, Office of Management and Budget, we want you to go back and look at the Trump tax cuts and basically the bull crap you, you gave us in the beginning about how this was actually going to bring more money in and blah, 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 blah. I want you to work mm-hmm. your way through after five years or six years, however long it's been, I want you to tell me how much this has actually cost us and what it's costing us year by year. Maybe the number would be low. I'm going to say I read something a few weeks ago, actually a few days ago. Somebody said if you went back and and uh, and re recalculated that, it's at least a trillion dollars, at least to the bad, mm-hmm. to the bad. I can totally see that, and you know, and part of it's out of you, you gotta unfortunately you need an asterisk for everything because of COVID no I'm talking about now you're, you're I'm, I'm talking about now oh, I'm, now. Okay. I'm saying well, you know, I thought it was you mean per year not a cumulative number well that, it's, it's, that it's per, cumulative there by now but it's getting worse and worse they're saying you know why do we really have a corporate rate of 21% that nobody pays why Why isn't it the same as, as what other people pay why don't well, we all pay the exact same thing and then be done with it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the reason is is we have double taxation, oh. and what I would say yeah. is let's is let's let's let companies deduct dividends and just pay mm-hmm. it once. That would be my solution. It's a very simple solution, and by the way, it would. St- I you know what you don't you don't even have to change laws for that. 
Yeah, you do. You just have to get no. You just got to get the uh, no. You've got to get the accounting standards to say that somehow dividends is a cost of doing business, like uh, interest on bonds. No, that's that's part of the it's, that's part of the tax code. You have to change it. Okay. I believe. Okay. I believe. I you know. Well, that well, what, what I'm saying is actually the first step on it. Well, but then you wouldn't have yeah. you would you would have brilliant guys like Warren Buffett. You wouldn't have him being able to withhold people's cash for for several decades, saying, "I'm doing you a favor because you don't have to pay twice." These companies have no business this kind of money. That's that you know that that's really his real reasoning on hanging on to cash and not paying out dividends is the uh, is that he believes he can do better with the money in the long term and he needs to have the cash on hand. Um, to, to take advantage of those opportunities, I, I'm just that's, okay, that's how the, he's articulated the, the that formula in the past. The formula has not changed since I was in grad school, but it's mm-hmm. it's affected by the taxes. So if I were to yeah. say, okay, Russell, you've got ninety billion dollars sitting there in the bank. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it here in case I can find a project that returns fifteen percent. I'm going back to my project days, and yeah, because. It, if I find that project, uh, it's going to be good for the shareholders. Well, yeah, but you haven't found one in ten years. That's why the money's sitting there. Yeah, but you don't understand because if I, if I, I've already paid taxes on it of twenty-one percent. So if I give it back to the, the formula is, if I think I can do better with it than my shareholders can, if I give it back to them, okay. Yeah, okay. no, that's and that and that that that's supposed to be the logic there. But the problem I, is, uh, is you if, always if, deduct. If, if you deduct thirty five percent, because now your your shareholder has to pay another tax when he gets the dividend. Right. So you're saying so, I only so have to if, do. You know, if if I if I give you a hundred bucks, you've only got sixty five to right. invest, and you got to make up that thirty five, you know, that exactly right or whatever. Before you break even to what I can do with it, right? So what so I'm saying is, let's pay once, mm-hmm. and now you, you erase that logic from the system. Mm. So and then the the you know then that's another reason that that I've all, they also use that as a justification for buybacks, right? Right there, which I personally think is a is a better way to return money to shareholders. Yeah, I mean, so I would, I would, I would yeah, free up. You know, the reason yeah. why the dividend law stays the way it is, is because these guys don't want to give people money back. Nobody they wants don't want to write the check out right. Yeah, why? Yeah. Why would you give money to perfect strangers? Yeah, and beyond that, well, and beyond that, if you uh, if you cut your dividend, the the long term impact of people's perception of your company when you do a dividend cut, regardless of what the reason is, is is not good. I'll just say not. Well, right. because people end up, they, they sort of count on it. Hey, uh, so what do, what do you yeah. think of the, uh, we'll probably do more of a year going forward next week, but what do you, what do you make of where we're at? Can, can we make it to the election without, a, without an oopsie? No. This is, this is a, a, a ridiculous, I, I think I already told you that I write the, that they had me write the market outlook for Indiana uh, for the business school this past year, and typically it's a group of three. But nobody else wanted to do it, and I believe that nobody else wanted to do it because 2024 is a hell of a year to try and guess. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of landmines out there. Uh, I really, you know, and I've been fixated on this one for longer than I should have been. Normally, when I start to get fixated on something, it takes about six months for it to work out. And I started. Well, maybe I'm right on time because I started started tor- short in China back in June. 
And um, I am up. I'm up. Goodness gracious. I, I, I've made money on it, but I don't feel like what I, I don't feel like the actual crash that's coming has hit yet. Um, you don't think that they're uh, yep. they don't have the ability to to gloss over. I mean, I, two things. When when people talk about a recession here, with, with the the craziness that the money in the system has done, I don't know that we're ever going to get what I consider to be a, a or what most people would consider a, de- a defined recession. Because yeah. there's just, they are they they are in a defined they they are they may be closer to a depression than a recession. I would agree with that. But yeah, how, they, they they used to they used to report um, youth unemployment, which was I don't know under twenty five or something like that. And the number was in the 21, 22% range. So they stopped reporting it about six months ago. Well, that, make, that makes sense. We do that stuff here now, too. Yeah, yeah but, but if they stopped reporting it, um, you got to assume it. They, they may still be collecting it. They're just not reporting it. You got to assume it's getting a lot worse. And they had, you, know, you had the president of your country saying, well, if you went to college and there's no job for college graduates, you need to go find a manual labor job. That's what you need to do. Could you imagine if you said that to college graduates in the United States as president? Well. I, I mean, even it, no history majors would vote for Biden if he said that. Well, it's at it's, it's some point when you have a uh, you know, place like my nephew, the metalworking places that as a few places have come back here and some places yeah. have now increased some of their capability... And guess what? They need three conveyors instead of two. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of business for people making conveyors and other parts that, you know, machines that have been around for a long time, not to mention new machines. I mean, someplace, somewhere, when the number gets high enough, there's going to be, I would use the term history major or, or somebody major that said, wow, those guys are paying, you know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks an hour. Maybe I should give it a shot. I mean, it's, I mean, there, there has to be some. We lost how many Brazilian manufacturing jobs in the last 20 years? If you lost them to some place, if you want to get some of yeah. them back, they got to come back from some place, right? Well, and they got to come back from some place, but then you have to find people that will work them. Well, so I think I think a lot of what you, well, some of what you've seen in like the restaurant industry, where I don't know what people thought for $10 an hour jobs that people are going to sit home with COVID for two years waiting for the phone to ring at 10 bucks an hour. A lot of those guys are doing. Remodeling or working in factories, making a hell of a lot more. They're not going back yeah. chopping carrots. I don't think. No, not at all. Um, so, what do you make of uh, the? I'm a little concerned here, and you're going to before we go here, you're going to tell me why the China situation, since it's got to be hundred times bigger than long-term capital or the Argentinian bonds. Why is why people are so quiet on it? Uh, the other thing is, They're I'm a little afraid of them. I'm a little. I'm a little concerned that the. What the Fed is starting to do with the dollar, putting more in, doesn't look like the central banks are are on it big time because we're seeing the dollar actually go down uh, here somewhat, which means they're not all in consist like they were for several years. Um, that that I see as a little bit of an issue. Um, other, I mean, there, there's 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 stuff like lurking around, I think, uh, Russell. But we seem to go day by day and uh, nothing happens. We another day, another rally, right? All right, well, it's another day, another rally. And then the thing is, you know, in a closed society, and China's very much of a closed society, they, they control pretty much everything. Um, the information that gets out is just, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, all information is detached from reality. 
It's just to what extent is it detached from reality? And the, you know, what goes on in China, um, they, they, what's really going on on the ground compared to what, you know, what they try, the perception they try to give, it's a gigantic disconnect. And the reason that China is so bad and, and it's just a tinderbox waiting to blow up, it, it's their housing market's like a third of their economy. The way that it works over there is you pay for a house up front, you make a down payment, you start making your mortgage payments while they're building it, and they've stopped building these things. And people have stopped paying for these things. And you've had, and, and you've had from some of the stuff that I read that does get some information out of China, you've had hundreds of protests aimed at banks because, because you know the, the banks are telling them they have to keep paying and they're paying for nothing. You know, how, how much of it is it's not there's no, there's not an asset you know if the, the house that i live in right now um was built in it was built in 2007 late 2007 it never got bought i've only lived there for five years it never got purchased the developer lived in it himself for a while and then um when the bank foreclosed on the construction loans, eventually they put it up for, uh, you know, they put it up and three people were bidding on it and my family won because my wife did five dollars. She built a, did a round number in five bucks and we outbid the loser by five dollars. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Audrey, Audrey, Audrey's, you know done my, 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 Audrey's done that. Audrey's done that too. My point, my, my, my point here was there was something for the bank to recoup the money that they had lent out to build the house. There isn't anything for the banks in China to recoup because the houses hadn't been built. And in some cases, they have been torn down. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... And, then it get, and then it gets worse. The local governments, the local governments are told what to do by the central government but they don't get any money from the central government. Ah. And the biggest, the biggest source of cash for local governments is land sales to developers that they're going to build this stuff. So they're, it, 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 basically it's like their ta- that's their version of their tax revenues. Their tax revenues have, are, they're about a third of what they were five or six years ago. So the local governments can't provide the kind of services that they used to. And you know, so they're having to lay. The, the whole thing is just an absolute mess. Okay, let me ask and you. Let me ask you. Can I ask you a, a question regarding uh, a question somebody asked Milton Friedman back in the day? And I remember we went over here by a minute or two, but I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna ask you this one because somebody asked Milton Friedman in class and said, uh, "What do you think of our national national debt going up?" And he goes, "It doesn't matter." Um, he said. It, it's just like the, the the Rhodes household. If your wife owes you five hundred bucks, and you're bitching at her for her to pay you back, so it doesn't matter. He said the house is flat. He said if, yeah. if if the population owes the government or the government owes the population hundred million dollars, within the borders we're flat. But now, you know, fast forward how many years? Now that that a lot of that debt is being held by people outside the country, and I, I suspect. Uncle Milty would have a completely different answer, or at least a two-part mm-hmm. answer. Now, my question to you is: all the stuff you're talking about sounds horrible, 
But if, if one Chinese dude lends money to another Chinese dude and he doesn't pay him back, as far as I'm concerned, or Milton Friedman would say, they're flat. My concern is they've got a boatload of, money, of debt outside the country. That's that's the part I think maybe is volatile to the rest of the world. I guess oh, yeah, I guess I really don't they're, care they're, if if the if the if the local mortgage guy doesn't pay the local bank. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with us. How big is the other stuff that, that is outside? I guess so that's my concern. Well, that's what you're going to have to do. Is you're going to have to let, let's just think of think of them as a bit, think of that country as a person. Um, if all of a sudden your salary, you've got you've got some money in the bank, and your salary gets you know you get your salary gets cut by two thirds, which really is what is happening to the local governments there. Um, you've got to dip into savings, and a big portion of that savings is bonds in other countries. Ah, okay, that's what I'm getting to. So you, yeah, so you're going to have to. Save, so that's how it's going to. That's how it bleeds out to the rest of the world. How, how do we know the volume and the and the and, and whether or not we're close to that. I mean, does anybody know? I mean, I can't figure it out. Every time I try and look, I can't find anything. No, I, well, that's the thing is there's no official numbers on stuff like that at all. You know, that that's the thing is you can't, they, you reach a point where you can't really figure out, you know, all the numbers on their side because it's a big old black hole. So then, so then when does a long-term capital just raise their hand and say, I got a problem? Houston, we have a problem. Uh, uh, you've had some municipalities in the U.S. that owned bonds based on the on the Chinese um, property markets that have had some issues around. Okay, that so, so it's, far. it's already but, starting. You're saying, but luckily, you know, but it might be like five or ten percent of their portfolio. It's not, you know, right. they weren't all in on the portfolio. All right, uh, but I, we... I, my my bigger fear is them dumping all of our paper, as opposed to, you know, as opposed to. Us owning their paper, okay. Uh, and I think a lot. I think a lot of smart invest. You know, their stock market's down fifteen percent this year. Yeah. So e- even you know, even mark to market, you're you're not. It's not a catastrophe. All right. Hey, uh, we'll know. save all the happy New Year's for next week. Good stuff this week. Okay. Uh, have a nice time yeah. in New York. Hey, go to the go to the pinstripe post. So you can tell us about it. I think we might. We I've got some friends that went to Rutgers, and I emailed all of them. I'm trying to see if any of them are going to the game. All right, uh, but if they go, you know, I, I don't. I mean, uh, the, the daughter that's with me is not the one that was with me last week when, on, and she's actually a little bit into sports, so we'll see. All right, what? Uh, who do they play? It, you know what? It's a it's a game time call. If it's raining, heck no. Who they if play? nobody I know is going, heck no. Who do they play? Who are they playing? Uh, they're playing Miami. Oh, that's not that's not a bad game. No, well, actually, I think Miami. I I, I got to say this quietly because I'm at the Rutgers Hotel. I think Miami's probably going to beat the crap out of them. Oh, good. All right, <laughs> yeah. all right, buddy. Have a nice time and talk <laughs> at you next week. SP Futures down right, a quarter. Nasdaq Futures up 18. Back tomorrow. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. Dax Research. 
Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.